Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to begin in verse 19 as we finished up in verse 18 two weeks ago. And then last week we had some of our preachers. It's good to have all of our ladies back. Good to have the noise back in the room tonight. Uh, all right. Hebrews 10, 19, verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness, say boldness. Now, that wasn't a very bold boldness. Having boldness. Now, listen to this. Boldness to do what? Look, look at this. Boldness to do what? Boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, that is an extraordinary verse of Scripture. Because when you think about the holiest, a lot of times when we think of holy things and being in the presence of the holiest, we think we need to be quiet and reverence, silence. The holier the atmosphere, the quieter we should get. But this blows that idea to pieces. Having boldness to enter the holiest by, not by works of righteousness that we have done, not by our obedience to God, but by the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that could bring us into a bold, right relationship with God. Now, I want to give you the definition for boldness so that you don't buy into the religious false humility of being quiet. Watch this. It's a big word. It means the number one definition of boldness right here in the Greek is, bold, is, is I'm sorry, freedom in speaking. It's the opposite of being quiet. Freedom in speaking. It gets better. Unreservedness in speech. Wow. What he's saying is you have bold, loud, unreserved access to God to say what's... You're free to speak. You're free to speak. Where? In the holiest place. My, 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 my. Without ambiguity or, you'll like this word, Brian Gray, circumlocution, which just means talking in circles. <laughs> and you knew that, didn't you? You know, when you're trying to get the point across to your spouse in a roundabout way, Sweetheart, I mean, she's she is really good at hinting. <laughs> Circumlocution. We don't have to come. We don't come before the throne of grace. Before this, the holiest place like this. Without the use of figures and comparisons. Free and fearless confidence. This, is, this might be my favorite one. Cheerful courage. Cheerful courage. Isn't that wonderful? Boldness and assurance. This is how our Heavenly Father, this is the way that Jesus provided for us. A boldness into the holiest. 
that's how holy then you are. That means you have to be extremely holy in order to enter the holiest like that. Yeah. That's how He sees you. And that's how He calls for you to come. Get ready. By a new and living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. Verse 20. By a new and living way. Now, I love that. I love the term new and living way. New and living way. But in the Greek, this word new is only found right here in the entire New Testament. The, the Greek word for the word new is only found right here in this one place. So it's a very special word. It's a one-time event. Listen to what this word means, a new and living way. The word new literally means freshly slain. Freshly slain. By a freshly slain and living way. Now you got to catch this. Because if we're not careful, we'll make what is new an old thing. We'll think, well, he died 2,000 years ago. No, 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 no. What he provided was a freshly slain, new, living way. It's as if for eternity, my family, it's as if Jesus has just borne our sins on that cross. It's just, it's as he just now said, it is finished. It's a freshly slain new and living way so that you always understand that that's what's in God's mind. He is perpetually looking at his son as the lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. It's always a new thing. His sacrifice is always providing a new thing. There's a newness, a continual newness to it. Because you can be going along in your Christian walk for years and years, and then, you know, you stumble and fall, and then you, and when you want to think about forgiveness and you want to think about the cleansing, sometimes we disconnect from just how new that cleansing is. Right? And you have to understand that it is a freshly slain and living way. It's just powerful, isn't it? Old things are passed away, and new things have come. I love what Charles Wesley wrote. My God is reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw nigh, and Father, Abba, Father, cry. Verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God. Thank God for Jesus, our high priest. Now, I want you to notice something from these first three verses that we've read tonight, 19, 20, and 21. We see that we have three things. We have boldness to enter the holiest. Number two, we have a new and living way. And number three, we have a high priest over the house of God. All right, all of these things are on our side. All of these things are for us. All right, Jesus being our high priest, because when God uh, created the office of the prophet, the, uh, the prophet would speak to the nation of Israel as God's voice to them. God would give him a word for the nation, and then he would speak for God to the people. But when God created the office of the priest, the priest would speak for the people to God. It was the high priest that brought in the sacrifice, the blood, 
behind the second veil once a year for his own sins and for the sins of the people and put it on that mercy seat. All right? He went in as a representative of the people to God. And that being that Jesus is our high priest, and his priesthood is one that never, ever, ever ends. It's according to the power of an endless life, as we learned earlier in Hebrews. It's according to the, it's a, the, uh, according to the order of Melchizedek, right? The priesthood that we don't know that, about his genealogy at all. He's just this mysterious figure that showed up in, in Genesis chapter 14. Is that right? A road scholar here. Genesis chapter 14, whenever Abraham brought back the spoils of war, remember? And he stepped in front of Abram and said, Blessed are you, Abram, of God Most High. And he was the priest of God Most High. Melchizedek, who we don't know his beginning, and we don't know his, his, his end. Uh, we, we don't know his genealogy. And in that way, he's made like Christ, a type, a, a shadow of Christ, uh, the priesthood who would, who would never end. So, being that we have this, we have this boldness, we have this freshly slain and living way, and we have this high priest that's speaking on our behalf to God. He is, the scripture says that he is ever living to make intercession for us. All right? And he's the high priest of the good things to come, as we read in chapter 9, verse 11. High priest of the good things to come. So, Jesus is there as our high priest ensuring that good things to continue to come into our lives. And he's there interceding for us on our behalf. And his blood is continually speaking, 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 speaking for us. Just as freshly today as it did 2,000 years ago. All right? Because this is an eternal truth. This isn't one that is caught up in time and its limitations. Tick after talk, tick, talk. No, 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 no. No, it's, it's outside of that. So it's just like it happened. That's why the Scripture says he was slain from the foundation of the world. It's hard to wrap our minds around that because we can't understand eternal things with this mind. But we can sure capture it with this heart by faith. Look at this. Let us draw near. Draw near to where? Where are we drawn near to? Well, as far as I can tell, it's talking about this holiest place. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You know, the real you is the believing you. All right? A true heart is a heart that is assured in faith. If you try to reason faith or try to walk by faith by thinking that it is an unnatural thing for you to do. Let me explain that. I had a friend years ago that I was on staff with, and uh, he came in one day and he said, I'm, I'm just so tired of, like, I just feel like I'm being fake. Like whenever I say, whenever I'm sick and I'm walking around saying I'm healed, I feel like I'm putting on some kind of, performance. I feel like it's, it's not genuine. I said, oh, contrary, my friend. That's actually when you're being genuine. Because the real you is one spirit with him. 
And the real you is that eternal being that calls those things that be not as though they were. Faith is more substance than what you are seeing here in the natural. Your faith in God has more substance, more truth, more reality than what you're experiencing right now. I said, don't get caught up in the lie of natural things being the real thing. All right? Because everything that we know in the natural came out of the Spirit. And if you're going to see it happen in the natural, you're going to have to call it out from this invisible with these invisible things called words from the invisible thing called your spirit using this invisible force called faith, right? In order for that to materialize because that's when you're really being the real you, okay? Otherwise, this is just another religion. This is just one more religion. It's one more hoop that we can jump through. It's one more gyration of it. It's just one. It's the same thing as everything else. But faith is what gives us this power that exceeds the natural. Amen. And this tells us to approach God on the basis of faith, not our feelings. And this is where you're going to have to push past the uncertainty. You're going to have to push past the doubts, the own personal doubts. You're going to have to push past the fear. You have to get out there in the realm of faith and say, I'm going to go approach God as he's called me to. Because right now the feelings don't line up with it. Right now I'm tired. Right now I'm screwed up. I, I don't, how can I stand before this holy God? Because that's how he demands it. He wants you to understand how much he loves you and how holy and righteous you are. And if you don't get a hold of it like he's got a hold of it, then you'll never come before him as he's called you to. Come before him like he is your father and like you are his child and like you do own the place. Like that time I told Dylan, uh, my, our, my son, yeah, I do have a son still. We still have a son, Dylan. Yeah, Dylan, he was going to, uh, the youth were having a service here. Once in a while, the youth will do the service. We need to have them do that sometime soon. Anyway, and Dylan, and, and, and he got asked to receive the offering that night, you know, like Pastor Jeremiah does. And so we were at the house, and I'm coaching him, right? You know, a homiletics teacher. I've got to make sure he represents his dad well. And uh, so I'm coaching him, you know, teaching him just some basic things. And this kid's getting it. I mean, he, he really, I'm not just saying that because he's my kid. I mean, he really did. He, he got, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's in the blood. I don't know. Maybe, but he just, he just got it. And I said, son, when you get up there, when it's time for you to get, I said, I want you to get up there and I want you to act like you own the place. Just as confident as could be, he looks at me and goes, I do own the place, Dad. I was like, easy, buddy, not yet. Relax, you got a few years. I had a chill go through me. I'm like, you know, I don't know what it is about this. I mean, this kid now, he's almost as tall as me and he walks up to me and he puts his chin up at me like this. I'm like, you better back down right now. I know you think you're something, but I will put you on the ground real fast. Easy. I love that. I love that. You know what it is? It's a true heart with full assurance of faith. A true heart is a believing heart. You have to fully... See, when we come boldly before the holiest place, we're really showing that we trust Jesus. And we trust Him. We trust in that finished work. We trust in the blood that brought us near. We trust in that new and living way. This isn't a way that we've made for ourselves. This is a way that God made for us. Hallelujah. And he's invited us to come this way. We trust in that blood that continually speaks on our behalf. You are forgiven. 
You are accepted. You are holy. You are righteous. You are loved by God. Hallelujah. Having our hearts, watch this, sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now I want to take a moment and let's go back to the first part of chapter 10 for just a moment because I need to tie a couple of things together. Hebrews chapter 10. Alex, I'm sorry, I just now thought about bringing this up. Let's start in verse 1. Concerning the term evil conscience, all right? For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Talking about the, the, uh, the sacrificial system um, that God had uh, set up through Moses. Next. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. Okay? So now the writer is pulling this all together and helping us understand there is no reason, Christian, for you to ever have a consciousness of sins or an evil conscience. All right? A sin, sin consciousness is what God calls an evil conscience. All right? Because if, if you have a, if you live in this perpetuality, is that the right word? Of sin consciousness, then what you have really not accepted is the once for all sacrifice. You really haven't accepted the power of the blood. If you continue to think along the lines of having a sin consciousness, being marked by your failures and all those things, and forgetting that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And a lot of that happens. Let me explain this again, my family, because we have to keep visiting these things because I know I was and I know many of you were indoctrinated with you got to confess your sins, you got to confess your sins, you got to confess your sins, you got to confess your sins. And if you want to get right with God, you got to confess your sins. You got to confess your If you want Jesus to forgive you, you got to confess your sins. And they take one verse of scripture in 1 John chapter 1 9 and take it completely out of context and force that on people over and over and over again to make you feel like if I don't confess my sins, there's a possibility I'm going to hell. And your whole salvation, your whole relationship with God is riding upon you staying sin conscious and sin confession, confession of sin conscious. If, if, if our Christianity is this delicate, now listen to me, if our Christianity is this delicate and this fragile that it rides on us remembering to confess our sins, why doesn't the Apostle Paul say one word about it? If everything is hinging on this, who is he the Apostle to? Us. He doesn't say one flipping word about it. You know, as a matter of fact, he says, in order to be saved, if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord... Jesus. Amen. The Lord Jesus. Remember, we've walked through this before. The Apostle John was fighting a system called Gnosticism. All right? And he lays out this beautiful argument in 1 John chapter 1. The Gnostics had come in and began to influence the people to, to, to tell them that, no, 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 you already are at the zenith of spirituality. All right? which they give no value to the body and all value to the spirit. It's Hinduism's a lot like that, New Age, um, Buddhism, all about this state of nirvana. It's not just a band. It's the, the state of nirvana. This, this, and so the body really has no value. And so 
then, then Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, according to the Gnostics, doesn't mean anything. There was no reason for him to do that because the, what's the body anyway? So John opens 1 John chapter 1. You've got to read this sometime where he says, that which we have handled, we handled him, we heard him speak, and we heard him, and we saw him, we walked with him, we talked concerning the word of life. And so he's saying Jesus is real. Jesus, God did come in the flesh as a man, and we were there with him. We walked with him. You have to understand that Jesus, if you do not accept him as a man, then you are still in your sins. If you do not accept him that God became a man, because if God did not become a man, then we are all as men hopeless. Some man had to die because it was a man that sinned. Man had to die, and men were dying. But God chose not to leave us in that way, and so then God, by his rich mercy, became a man for us, and then he became the perfect sacrifice. As Jesus said, you prepared a body for me. And so he's saying, and, when he, and he culminates there in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, oh, verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we're lying and the truth is not in us. All right, Because if you say you have no sin, then what you're saying is you don't need a Savior. So John is making this argument for those that we have to understand that we are hopeless without Jesus Christ. But if we confess that, if we confess our sins, as a matter of fact, the word confess there is the word homologeo, and it means to agree with. It doesn't mean what I was taught growing up for so many years. Repenting of your sins. That confession has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with agreeing, saying the same thing as. So who are we saying the same thing as? Who are we agreeing with? We're agreeing with God. What does God say about your sins? What does He say? He says Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. See? You, you'll get set free from that evil sin consciousness when you'll stop acting like your righteousness depends on you and fully trust in Jesus. Because my family, what if you forgot a sin to confess? What if you forgot one? There's a good chance you did. Then are you lost? Give me a break. Christ died for my sins. That is my confession. Christ died for my sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Hallelujah. Now see, when you believe in that once for all sacrifice, you're not riddled with sin consciousness. No, now you have righteous consciousness. Now you have righteous consciousness. And guess what? I just have a feeling, because I know a little bit about human nature at this point in my life, that whatever you're focused on, that's the direction you will begin to go. And if you're focused on righteousness, and if you're focused on Christ, guess what? Your life is going to begin to look like that. When you set your mind on those things, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Hallelujah. What do you say about yourself? Do you say what he says or do you say what you feel? Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience or a sin conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I find this an interesting thing. Our, body wa our bodies washed with pure water. Now let me help you understand something. That's not talking about water baptism even though water baptism is extremely important. We all understand that, right? 
And we all should be water baptized. The sooner you can get water baptized after salvation, the better you are. Better things go for you. And spirit baptized. But this is talking about something else. Because we must go to verse 23 to tie these things together. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So, so being, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water has everything to do with what's coming out of our mouths. Whoa. Has everything to do with what's coming out of our mouths. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. In John chapter 15 and verse 3, Jesus told his disciples, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Wow. You're clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So this washing of the body, this washing is talking about, is talking about washing ourselves with our words. Which words? His words, actually, in our mouths. Now, we must go over to James chapter 3 and uh, help bring this a little more understanding to this. Everybody okay? Yeah. I, know what, I, I know what time it is. Like the kid asked his dad, Dad, what does it mean when the preacher looks at his watch? He said, apparently nothing, son. You... John chapter 3, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also Let's go back to verse 2 so I can finish that sentence, please. Mr. Hasty Pants back there. <laughs> he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now, hang on. Let's go, go back to verse 2. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. Able also to do what? Controlled mouth. Controlled body. Controlled mouth, controlled body. This is self-control 101. Control your mouth, you control your body. You're able to bridle the whole body. I mean, come on, we all know. We all know. We've let things come out of our mouths that have brought a lot of trouble into our lives. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Said things you wish to God you'd never said. And you wish that they would just go away, but sometimes that spouse will remind you of what you said. I'm talking about what I hear from other people that are married. Heather never does that. She's perfect in every way. But I hear that other couples deal with that. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or a complete man or a fully mature man. Okay? This is what we are striving toward, my family, to put a guard on our mouth. All right? Next. Now, Alex, let's go to verse 3. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn the whole body. I think it's amazing that you can put a bit in the horse's mouth and some reins and, and, and steer that muscly beast of burden wherever you want it to go. Yeah. Uh -huh. It'll do exactly what you tell it to. Yeah. All right? 
He gives an illustration here, and then he takes us to another illustration. Verse 4, look also at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. All right, so that little bitty rudder on the back is guiding that entire vessel, right? Amen. So what is he talking about? He's helping us understand this tongue is the guiding force for our lives. It's the guiding force for our actions. How we act in this body is predicated upon what comes out of our mouths. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> She'll kill, she will kill me later. Right? And, the, and the tongue is a fire. I'm really glad that, that this verse has other things around it. Because if you just read this verse, you'd, well, let's just read it. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set up among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. You know what? That tongue is nasty is what it's saying. Hmm? It, look what it does. Okay, so the tongue can bridle the body, but look what also can happen. It's so set among our members that it defiles the body. Okay? So you can defile your body with your tongue or you can control your body or cleanse your body, if you will, with your tongue. Okay, verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. <laughs> it is an unruly evil. You know what that means? It don't follow the rules. That's all that means. Full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Next verse, last one. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. These things shouldn't be. That born-again nature needs to be well represented by the words that come out of this mouth. You speak for your spirit man. Speak on behalf of your spirit man who delights in the things of God, who delights in the Word of God, who delights in the things of God, and loves to please God. You want to speak on that behalf so that this physical body then will begin to reflect that very thing. Because we're in this constant battle. And that tongue, that unruly evil, as, as uh, my dad once illustrated this, maybe this will help bring on. Remember the movie Racing Stripes with the zebra? It's a pretty great movie. Completely unrealistic. I mean, right, Cody? I mean, is a zebra ever going to beat a thoroughbred? It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen in a race. But if, you'll, if, you, if you watch the movie and you play close attention, you can tell that they use different zebras because some are black zebras with white stripes and some are white zebras with black stripes. All right, that's the best I'm going to get. Okay, let's move forward. Oh, you can tell by the markings that they're using different zebras because there's something interesting about a zebra. A zebra cannot be tamed. Except it can be tamed one day at a time. Let me say that. A zebra can be tamed one day at a time. They can actually break a zebra, ride a zebra, 
But when the zebra goes to sleep that night, something interesting happens. The old wild nature kicks right back in. And when that zebra wakes up the next morning, it's just as wild as it was the day before it got broke. They cannot be domesticated, domesticated like a horse can, except one day at a time. That tongue in your mouth is a zebra in your head, all right? And every day, you have to train that thing. It's, it's never going to kick in and one day go, oh, I love the rules. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm only going to speak kind things and nice things. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you have been saved for 10 years? How about 20 years? Are you still working on this stinking tongue? Yeah, you are. You're still working on it. It still doesn't get it, and it's not going to get it. You have to make it get it. You have to put the bridle on that horse, that zebra, and say, no, you're going to say what I tell you to say. But don't forget, my family, don't be surprised if tomorrow morning you wake up and that unruly evil wants to start talking. And you got to say, no, 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 no. I purposefully, the first thing in the morning, I don't care how tired I am, the very first thing I've made myself every morning say is I sit up on the side of my bed and I say, thank you, Jesus. I want the first thing out of my mouth to give praise to him. I'm not saying throughout my whole day it's all thank you, Jesus. I'm just saying I want to start my day with that and begin to think in that direction and begin to take my life in a, in a way of gratitude to the Lord. You know what I mean? Because your life follows your tongue. So this is what this is talking about in Hebrews when he says, when he's talking about dealing with that evil conscience, and that has to do with you're going to have to say who you are in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I am saved by grace. I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. Hallelujah. Those, two, those are two, two, two totally different realities. Hallelujah. I'm not, he didn't just cleanse my outside, my inside's still rotten. No, 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 no. No, your outside's rotten. Your inside's made right. All right? This hadn't been glorified yet. But he has put his seed. The scripture says that his seed remains in you now. His seed remains in you. You know, rotten apples still have good seeds. <laughs> well, let's just finish on that thought right there. Father, thank you. Thank you for the precious, precious blood of Jesus. Thank you that his sacrifice is just as fresh today as it was 2,000 years ago. This is an eternal truth. This is an eternal way. Thank you, Lord, that where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. We thank you for your precious blood who brought us who were far off, who were without hope and who were without God in the world, but by the blood of Jesus, we've been brought near. We've been brought so near that you call us to, bring, to come boldly before the throne of grace, that we enter the holiest place with boldness, unreserved speech, freedom of speech, free to talk to our Heavenly Father in the most holy atmosphere. Hallelujah. Thank you that you've redeemed us, Jesus, from our sins. You've delivered us from the power of darkness. You brought us out of darkness, and you've translated us into your marvelous light. Hallelujah. We were lost in sin, but now we're alive in Christ. We were dead, 
and we are now alive in Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that the old things truly are gone and new things have come. Help us, God. Help your people to live in this new covenant reality, this new and living way reality. Hallelujah, Lord, that their confession, they'll hold on to their confession of hope without wavering, Father. Thank you, Lord. Continue to confess Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my helper. Jesus is my restorer. Jesus brings life to dead things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we look to you. We thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Lord, that you bless your people tonight as they leave, Lord, and they're blessed going out just as they've been blessed in their coming in. Lord, I thank you that no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. For you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that continually cleanses them and covers their lives. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that they will dwell in the secret place. They will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. They will dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you are their rock. You are their fortress. You are their strong tower. You are their deliverer. You are their defense, God. And I thank you that you will bless the righteous, and with favor you will surround them as with a shield. Thank you, God, that because you're for them, it doesn't matter who's against them. Thank you, God, that you progress them. Lord, you increase their lives. Lord, I thank you that love abounds in their marriages. I thank you that love abounds in their homes, that the peace of God that passes all understanding would rest upon every family that's represented here in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that there is nothing missing and nothing broken. I declare perfect peace in their lives, in their situations, health in their bodies, Lord, soundness of mind, peaceful sleep at night, and energy throughout their day. Thank you, Father God, that they have the Word of God in them, Lord, that they are not silent in delivering the gospel to to the hearers, God, in their lives. Lord, those that are broken, those that are lost in sin, they so desperately need to hear that God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to Himself, not counting their sins against them. And so we plead with those around us, even as Paul said, be reconciled to God. Help us, Lord, to be bold to deliver this message wherever we go, to not be ashamed, to not cower, to not be afraid. But, Father God, understanding that the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you are a very present help in time of need. I thank you, Lord, for wisdom. Wisdom, Lord, for your people that you give it liberally to those who simply ask in faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.